they're just chatting and then out of nowhere he dips his finger in some jam and just single finger rubs it on her lips i think it's so awkward it's pretty natural to me i don't know who you're having breakfast with <laughs> i have jam rubbed over me all the time oh dawson look there's your mom back to you bob Hello and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 205, Full Moon Rising. What a doozy. It is a doozy, and it originally aired on November 4th, 1998. We're gearing up for Thanksgiving. We're getting excited. Holidays are just knocking at our door. We're telling everybody what to bring on Thanksgiving. Do you have a preferred Thanksgiving side? Like to bring or to eat? Both. To bring, I've done the cranberry sauce one year. I messed up a cranberry sauce one year at our friend's house. I do a potato, mashed potato. Can't go yeah. wrong with a mashed potato. I like to bring the sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on the top. Yeah. Love that. What about to eat? Stuffing. Like hands. It's not mm. even like a, half my plate is the stuffing. It was like a little turkey. <laughs> <laughs> It's all stuffing. I can't really answer my favorite one because I'm pretty sure my death row meal would be Thanksgiving. The whole thing. Thanksgiving dinner? I love Thanksgiving. Love how it works together. I love drowning it all in gravy. It is a, it's, it's a good time. It's a good moment. And then, you know, holiday season is in full effect the next day. It's like the combo for the storm. What's better? Family's fighting. It's great. Well, what are we drinking? Today we're drinking a full moon rising, which is an ounce and a half of moonshine, two ounces of pineapple juice, a half ounce of grenadine, Sprite, and a little bit of lime juice. It's sweet. It's, you know, I actually happen to have moonshine in the house, which I don't know why or how, but I did a little jar of moonshine. And I have to say it's like sweet, but good. Yeah. Yeah. It's giving like that old Shirley Temple, like when you were little Mm -hmm. and you get grenadine. While your parents drink. Why don't you tell us what happened this episode? So this episode is insane and there's lots of chaos. So the, the recap might get chaotic. Let's just plow through. So this episode opens with Dawson and Joey. They're sitting on his roof and they're talking about full moons. And of course, he's being his usual idealistic self. And he thinks that full moons are so romantic. And she's being her usual practical self. And she says she hates full moons because they make everyone crazy. Dawson says that's a myth, it's superstition, and she says it's science. You know, humans are made up of 70% water, so we all know the moon ebbs and flows the water, and it's true. Everyone goes nuts on full moons, it's a fact. And that's true because everyone is acting crazy in this episode. So Dawson has gotten very suspicious of his parents bickering, and they keep making references to Thursday nights, which we know, but he does not, that those are the nights that his parents are exploring their open marriage. So as we know from last week, Mitch is contemplating buying a warehouse from Miss Jacobs. So things come to a head with Mitch and Gail when Mitch has her over to the house at the same time that Gail has a coworker over to the house for a business dinner and a huge fight ensues. Mitch and Gail are screaming and yelling in a different room, but their guests can hear Dawson's home 
It's World War Three, and Dawson finally figures out and asks his parents, what are Thursdays? Do you guys have an open marriage? And they confirm that they do. And Dawson wants to know why. So Gail says, yeah, Mitch, like, I want to know why too. Tell him. And this really sends Dawson spiraling. He leaves the house to go find Joey. And this is where Mitch and Gail, when they're alone, they say that it's time to get a divorce. And Mitch says that he's going to move out. So at the restaurant, at the ice house, Joey and Jack are working. And it's just the two of them alone with one customer. Joey and Jack have been bonding recently. Like we said last week, they were bonding a lot over art recently. And they have a shared love of art. And in this episode, they're just getting to know each other better. They're working together, but they're kind of hanging out and formality is kind of starting to wear down between them. In the chaos of this full moon during their shift, they find a love poem that was written on a napkin from a patron who's left. And it's about how you shouldn't let love, you know, don't let love go. You know, you're young once, don't, let, don't squander it. And Jack grabs Joey and kisses her, which is very awkward because she's with Dawson, of course. So when it comes to Pacey and Andy in this episode, Pacey finally asks Andy out on a date and she agrees and he suggests they go to the movies, but they have a debate on where he should pick her up. He wants to pick her up at her house and she panics and she says, no, no, I'll meet you at the movies. And he says, no, it's a date. I'll pick you up at your house. And she's like, no, no, no. Let's meet at the ice house. That's middle ground. And she's really panicking and really nervous about this date. And in the midst of her panic, it becomes very unclear where they're going to meet. So when the time comes, Pacey goes to her house to pick her up and she's not there. Her mom is. She ended up going to the movies because that's where she thought they were meeting. So Andy's mother is very nice and she invites Pacey in and she starts talking to him about Andy's dad and Andy's older brother, Tim, who's in college. And Pacey didn't even know he existed. So Andy realizes that Pacey must have gone to her house and she runs home. She's freaking out. And she finds Pacey and begs him to leave. And he says, no, you know, your mom's preparing us dinner. Let's just skip the movies in here. And Andy is spiraling like level 10 meltdown and he's just like what is going on and she says yes tim is my older brother but tim is dead meaning her mom has been talking about tim as if he's alive and he's upstairs and he really passed away a year ago so she tells pacey that they were in a car accident last year her mom was driving and they were hit by a truck that was kind of the beginning of the end for their family her mom's never been the same since clearly her dad's not home he lives in rhode island where he's barely keeping the family business afloat So Jen and Abby, meanwhile, are still fighting over that sexy sailor from last week, Vincent, who in this episode asks Jen out on a date. When Abby finds out, she calls Jen a slut and Jen ends up slapping her and goes on the date. So she invites the guy over to the house while Grams is away at prayer group and things end up going a little too far and Jen can't really get him off of her. But luckily, Grams is there and able to break it up by saying that Jen is actually 16, not 18. So they kick Vincent out of the house and Grams can't believe that Jen doesn't have more respect for herself than this. So we end the episode with this amazing music montage to Jules' song, Hands. And we see Mitch and Gail are each alone and they're contemplating their upcoming divorce. Jen is on her front stoop crying after a conversation with Grams. Jack is rereading the love poem that made him kiss Joey. And Andy is crying in Pacey's arms while Dawson is crying in Joey's over his parents' divorce. So that was episode 205 and it was a wild one. I knew that I liked this episode, but when I first rewatched it, like in preparation for this, I loved this episode. So much happens. It's a hard one to recap because everything's so inter everything's so entwined and there's a lot of setup happening a lot i like to recap them in by story but this one was a little interwoven 
Hopefully that was a coherent recap. We obviously didn't touch on everything. We will touch on all that when we open up the discussion, but those were the bones, shall we say. Yes. And it's no surprise to me that this was written by Dana Barada and directed by David Semmel, both of which are staples in the first two seasons of the show. This is Dana's second episode of the season that she's written, and this is David's third episode of the season that he's directed. Obviously, they were both with us season one as well. The things that stand out to me immediately, thinking back on it, I love how you touched on it briefly, but Abby shows up at in Dawson's room to spy on Jen and Vincent's date, and... She very naturally brings up the idea of an open relationship in saying that just tell Jen that you and Joey have an open relationship and so you kissed me. And that plants the seed in Dawson. That's the thing that gets Dawson to realize that that's what his parents are doing after a few episodes, which I thought was just like really good writing. Yeah. The directorial moment that stood out to me is at the very beginning of the episode, it's Tamara and Mitch on the street. And then in frame, you see Jen walk in to the same frame that they were just in and then and then at the end of jen and vincent's conversation you see andy walk into the same frame so it's like literally what you were just saying all of these story lines are so interwoven and so overlapping but i just loved the visual of it i thought it was really well done yeah i love that main street you know i talk about every episode i just love those exteriors it's such a cute town they're all out shopping today yeah pacey's working but pacey's Working in air quotes. Yeah. Basie's watching porn at the video store. It was a great episode for David. He plays, as you said, he's he directs a lot of episodes. You said it's his third of the season. This is episode five. So he's done three of the five. Yeah. And he just has played an integral part in setting the tone and look of the show. He sure has, as has Dana. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. So much more to say. How about guest cast shout out? Yeah. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? I'm going to give it this week to Joe Flanagan, who plays Vincent. We touched on him briefly last episode. You know, he's problematic, but he's a cutie patootie. The character, not the actor. Correct. 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 The character is problematic. We don't want all of our listeners to like cancel Joe Flanagan. We, no, no, we, no. We are an influential podcast. The world listens yes, to us. Yes, that's right. I should really watch what I say. <laughs> so cancel Vincent, not Joe Flanagan. But tell us about Joe Flanagan. Joe Flanagan is so cute. He has 82 episodes of General Hospital, another so oh guy. Oh my God. I didn't even know that. Yes. He has just around 100 episodes of Stargate Atlantis. So he's in that universe. He's in another Stargate series as well with a couple of episodes. He most recently was in five episodes of that Apple show C with Jason Momoa. He's still doing it. He's a super successful actor. He's a cutie patootie. And he was our Vincent. I understand why Jen was initially blinded by his beauty and then realized, eh. I just found him on Instagram. I'm going to send it to you. He looks amazing. He's in his full Silver Fox era. Well, we love that. See, I didn't even know he was a general hospital guy. There you go. That's why we do this segment. This I, this is like, I think the most New York Jen we've seen. She's having men over to the house. She's lying. She's, you know, so Vincent's bringing out that side of her in a different way than Billy did. This is this is it. This is the end of his little baby arc, but he did a good job while he was here. Yeah. Music moments. 
Yeah, I don't think I have anything for this one, do you? I mean, ha- hands, obviously. The Yes, the closing montage is Hands by Jewel, an amazing song. And that song was in the... Original. It was in the original and it is in on all the streaming now. So it's just interesting how some songs don't get through and some do. So on the original, Secret Smile by Semisonic played in the scene where Jen and Vincent were making out and i remember that song i liked semi-sonic i mean not like a deep dive but sure sure all right so those will be in the playlist yeah you can cry in your car to jewel if you feel it's appropriate absolutely i don't think i really have a past first present for this episode either i touched on it last episode vincent's a creep originally i thought he was kind of hot he is hot but i thought it was very he was exciting he was you know, like Jen was really trying to woo him because he's this older guy and I felt that. And now I'm like, ugh, get out of here, Vincent. Yeah. yeah, I was running through my past and presence too. The only thing I could really think of is Jen slapping Abby was like wild. Yeah, it was. Who, what are you feeling in that moment and in that fight? I feel like they're both kind of right <laughs> in a weird way, Abby and Jen. In what regard? The, the whole fight or in that moment? In that moment, like Jen is reacting, obviously, to the fact that Abby's basically been calling her a slut. She's been called like Abby's got some low blows because she's jealous of the Vincent piece of it all. But also, I don't remember exactly what she was saying, but I remember being like uh, up until the like super insulting stuff. Everything Abby was saying to Jen was very true. (laughs) Like, you don't know this guy. He probably has a lady in every port. And Abby was saying that about Vincent in the last episode, but kind of in a positive way, like in in regards to her liking Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on what camp you come from. Some people think violence is never, ever okay under any circumstance. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes people think you can provoke people when you provoke them, you know, the responsibility is on you. If Especially because Jen said numerous times, like, you back off, back off. And she's she's walking away and Abby's following her. So it is kind of a, it's not black and white, let's say. I don't know if it's a gray issue, but. um, Yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't think slapping anybody ever is really the way. Yeah. I also don't, have you ever slapped someone? Do teenage girls slap? (laughs) I've never slapped anyone though. So weird. Like, I think she should have just like shoved her or something, you know? Like Like, get get away away from from me. Yeah. Yeah. The slap was a little. A little much. Telenovela, like 80 soap kind of a. It was a little Melrose place, let's say. But yes, the Abby-Jen friendship is in peril. But yeah, that was my only thing for past versus present. Just the slap. I was like, huh, wow. 15-year-old girls just slapping each other. All right, let's open it up. What do you got? I love the McPhees. I love their house. I love the mom. I love that we learned that Andy has a dead brother. We learned that Andy's mom crashed the car. The McPhees are not good drivers. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and Jack Jack is very klutzy at work. I just think they're a fumbly family. Yes. But I just like learning more about them. And it was really fun seeing Andy like not being in control and spiraling and panicking. We've seen her be a little neurotic before, but this is the first time she was in full spiral mode. And it's tragic. The story is yeah. tragic. Yeah. She had an older brother named Tim. He was going to school at Cornell, but Cornell was playing Columbia when the weekend of the crash it was the homecoming game. And their mom didn't see the truck. Yeah, the dad was too drunk. To drive. So the mom drove. 
and the brother was killed. Now, what do we think is wrong with the mom? Do we think she's just kind of had some type of breakdown or do you think she's like schizophrenic or what is? I think she's just had a full mental break, honestly. I think that she probably goes in and out of reality just as a self-preservation thing would be my guess. Yeah. So Andy says to Pacey when she's explaining everything, the car accident, she says, you know, some days are really good and she's with us and some days, you know, are like tonight where, you know, she thinks he's alive and he's here and it is sad, very sad. I just love learning more about the McPhees and Jack, that little homewrecker. Oh my God. Jack is making his move on Joey. It's crazy. It is crazy. And it's kind of nice is the wrong word, but he's challenging her in a new way. In this episode, he says, why are you so angry? And she's like, starts responding in the moment he goes not now all the time like he's calling her out he's recognizing her patterns and like he's i don't know i just feel like her and dawson have been friends for so long that maybe they don't see some of that stuff and joey really has been very much in her feelings and frustrated and i don't know it's an interesting dynamic he's melting her little exterior he's getting in there because she really doesn't have a lot of people that she's close to no, she talked about it last episode. Just Dawson. He's kind of the center of her universe and she hates that. So Yeah. She's kind of letting Jack in maybe as a friend, you know. Yeah. Certainly as a friendly coworker. They are working a dead shift during the full moon. There's one guy there. He just keeps ordering coffee. He's kind of a weird guy. And Jack says, Oh gosh, I feel so bad for him. Like what if he lost his wife or child? And that was after we learned that his mom lost her child. So I also saw something on like Katie Holmes's face too, where like Joey clocked that moment and she was like, oh, you know, he, there's some weird meaning to that. Maybe he lost someone. So yeah, they're both like letting each other in a little bit. He's dropping hints. She's dropping hints. They're bonding. It's cute. The man ends up leaving a love poem and a hundred dollar tip. And the poem is what inspires Jack to kiss Joey. Yes. What was the poem? I have it here. It's by moonlight many years ago, my true love did I know. And by that moon, I begged her wake. But that night did she go. Young loves heed my word. Don't squander love away. The moon is changing ever still. Soon comes the light of day. So this man's sitting there. He's having an endless cup of coffee as Joey describes it. Endless refills. And he like talks to them a couple times, but never looks at them. Like he's very yeah. like in his head, coming off a little bit aloof and whatever. And then, like you said, he leaves the hundred dollar tip. And Jack brings up he's not here for the coffee. Like maybe he just doesn't have anywhere else to go or anyone else to be with. The power is going on and off. It kind of has an eerie vibe to it because he kind of has this weird. He has a weird vibe to him. The power is going on and off because of the full moon. I guess I don't know how the full moon affects electricity. I think it's just that whole superstition thing. Jack and Joey are trying to save these lobsters from the tank. The tank's not working. It was It was a whole a whole to do. I wrote down the beginning of the episode. So Vincent finds Jen on the street. He's talking to her. He asks her if he could take her out. And she like thinks about it for a second. And then she's like, okay. And she just gives her gives him her address. That's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's really a choice. Can you imagine? No, literally can't. A stranger. But I mean... Different time. Different. I mean, you could just, if you knew her last name, you could just look her up in the phone book, which had her address. But it's not her house. 
Let's talk about phone books. <laughs> How weird were they? And just you knew the address. Some people were unlisted. Like chaos. One time in elementary school, a boy had a crush on me, apparently. And he called my house and I was very confused about how he got my phone number. And he said, did you know there are 29 <gasps> families with your last name in the phone book? And I was like, oh, my God, oh, cool. Like, how many of them did you call before you got to me? Yeah. He had to know the parents initials, like first initial. Yeah. And it would have phone number. Did it have the address? It did have the address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it was last name, comma, first name, first and name. bold. Then it got a little smaller. The font got a little smaller, and it was telephone number. And then it was a ton of ellipses. And then it was, that's how ours yes. was. So anyway, yeah, she just like screams her address out on the street. And that's where they're going to go on their date. And Vincent comes over, and she's either making him coffee or tea. <laughs> but It was very hard to tell, but he did <laughs> allude to coffee on the street in okay, their yeah. first conversation. So I'm assuming it was coffee, but yeah. So we know from last week, Abby and Jen went on a shopping spree and looked more mature after their shopping spree. And we think that's why Vincent thinks that they're of age. When he sees her on the street, he says, you know, you're the one good thing that's happened to me since moving here. I've been in a boat with a bunch of men for three weeks. You know, I want some scintillating conversation and some good company. So she finally gives in. They're going to go on a date. They go to Grams's house. Grams is going to Bible study. She asked Jen to come along and she's like, oh, it's John the Baptist chapter. Like, you should come. And <laughs> Jen's like, no, Grams, I'm good. And she's like, yeah, put the religion aside. It's just a good story. <laughs> it's just a good story, dear. Come. And absolutely not. Grams leaves. Vincent comes over. They are pounding coffees. Pounding, pounding, pounding. They talk about embarrassing sexual stories. She says that she was caught in bed by her dad. And he says that when he got really drunk in New Orleans once, he went home with a total smoke show that ended up being a really good looking drag queen. And now they're really good friends. Nothing happened. They talked the night away. And then they kind of start going at it. And he doesn't stop when she wants to stop. And she says, I'm 16. And he's like, what? And she says, I'm 16. Yeah, how would that look on your law school applications? Because he told her previously that he wanted to be a lawyer. And when he says what, Grams just goes, she's 16. And if get you don't get out of, of this house, not even God could save you from my wrath. Get off my lawn. Get off my kitchen table. She was like a SWAT team. She just like stormed in, guns blazing. I loved that. As she should. She's Grams. She's, she's Grams. Goddamn Ryan. <laughs> she's just come from Bible study. That's right. To me, Jen was very much so playing with fire when she's like, what's your craziest sexual experience? Like, do you think that she intended to, not that if you have a conversation with someone about sex, it means you have to have sex with them. Of course, that's not what it means. But she was like playing this game of like flirting with him and letting him put jam on her lips in the cringiest way ever. Like he was touching her in a weird way. She was being very like all up in his face, flirty. Do you think that she felt like she wanted to hook up with him and then had regrets? Or do you think she was just completely naive to the situation and thought they were just having a nice like conversation? 
I think she just wanted a fun, flirty, we're going to kiss a little bit. When he got on top of her and it started to get really sexual, I, she said something like, okay, stop, stop. That's like, enough. Okay, I think we've taken this far enough. Like, haha, you know. Yeah. I don't think she had any intention. I think she was keeping it real with herself, the same stuff she was telling Abby, which is like, he's double your age, it's illegal, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think she would have ever slept with him or that she wanted to. I just think she was yeah, kind of saying what, he said in the beginning, you know, you're the only person I've seen in Cape Side that seems interesting. I think she's really bored. She's lonely. All the stuff we've talked about. And I think she was just entertaining him for a night and was just like, that's flirty. Yeah. 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 Who doesn't sense. like to flirt? Who doesn't like to have jam rubbed on their lips? Oh, I know that I was so awkward to me. They're just chatting. And then out of nowhere, he dips his finger in some jam and just single finger rubs it on her lips. I think it's so awkward. It's pretty natural to me. I don't know who you're having breakfast with. <laughs> I have jam rubbed over me all the time. Oh, God. Oh, here's something that I wrote down, changing gears. So in the beginning of the episode, Andy goes into the video store and Pacey's there and we hear some like sexual noises and we come to realize that Pacey has been, because there's nobody in the video store, Pacey's been watching porn. And he starts rattling off. She's like, oh, if you're just here watching Debbie Does Dallas, and he starts rattling off porn names like little oral yeah. annie and he says actually this one's jacuzzi floozies but have you noticed that the names are the best part about porn there's uh little oral annie oh god what other ones were there well all of this to say as soon as he started rattling off those names i was like michael would be so good at this you would be so good in the writer's oh, room like porn pitching puns. porn puns because one of the shows that Michael worked on, a lot of the names of the episodes were some sort of pun, pop um, culture yeah. pun. You were always so good at it. One of the episodes was called Don't Trust the G in Apartment 3B or something like that. <laughs> and it was a, it was actually an homage to James Vanderbeek, who was sure. on a show called Don't Trust the B in Apartment 23. Uh, it was a Halloween episode of the show I worked on and the G stands for ghosts. So Don't Trust the G in Apartment 4B. Yeah, little puns, little puns. Yeah, I was just envisioning you in the writer's room pitching porn puns. Sperminator, romancing the that's, bone, little yes. oral Annie. <laughs> and that's the scene that he asked her out on the date in. They're doing their yeah. banter. They're teasing each other. She says, all the women in those movies have one thing in common. They're all women that Pacey will never do or screw. And then he's like, let's just end this and let's go on a date. Enough of this. And... Then that miscommunication ensues where I'm going to pick up at your house. The movies, Ice House, they, there's lots of confusion. Andy is very nervous in that scene. We don't really know if it's she's nervous over the date or what. You kind of get the inkling she has a secret. She doesn't want Pacey to go to her house. We don't know why. Mm -hmm. He says, you live on Windsor. I'll come pick you up. I think I thought when I first watched this that he was going to go to that address and it wasn't going to be her house. And she was like secretly poor and she was lying about where she lived and, and stuff like that. But we know now that he goes and he learns all these family secrets. I definitely interpreted it the same way he did. Like, because the last thing that he throws out is picking her up at her house. And then he tells her to stop overthinking it. And she's like, okay, I'll, I'll meet you there or I'll see you there at 730. Don't be late. And in rewatching it so many times in preparation for this, I was like, oh, yeah, I can definitely see they were having different conversations for sure. Yeah. But I do see how Pacey ended up at her house. Yeah, that was done really well. I liked mm -hmm. that. Let's talk about how hot her brother is, her dead brother, when you see his picture. 
we get do the Ouija, get the Ouija board <laughs> Tim <laughs> Tim are you there Tim wait. it's me <laughs> wait when do we see it when Pacey holds up a picture oh my god yeah he is very big like <laughs> tall <laughs> and broad that man would have been the president of America <laughs> Tim McPhee. He looks very New England, very yeah. clean cut, buttoned up. Yes. Big summer in Martha's Vineyard. Oh, 100%. They're so, I love the McPhees because they're so waspy and they just, they're obsessed with keeping that reputation. Facade. Yes, the facade. And I love that. Love that for them. Poor Tim. They're so waspy. R.I.P. Tim. R.I.P. Tim. That This episode is dedicated to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. I feel really bad for Andy's mom. I also feel really bad for Andy. Andy goes on this whole tangent at the end about how everything is on her shoulders. And whether it is or it isn't, she feels like it is. And it's very real to her. And that's just like crippling. I feel very, very bad for her. And it makes a lot of sense as to why she is the way she is and operates the way she operates to make sure everything's in line and everything is. Yeah. In the discussion with Pacey, where she says, my mom has good days and bad days. You know, sometimes she knows, sometimes she lives in this world where she thinks, you know, my brother's alive. My dad lives in, still lives in Providence, Rhode Island. You know, he's trying to keep the business afloat, but it's failing miserably. And Jack, like, I love him, but he's so out to lunch. He just thinks if he doesn't think about it, it's not real. He's such a klutz. He's so out to lunch out of it i'm keeping my family together by a string basically at this point mm-hmm. we love a strong female we support women if there's one thing that we've said from the beginning of this podcast it's that we support women but not miss jacobs oh god no never because we don't want to be canceled but we support gail speaking of gail she got a haircut yeah i like it it's for cute. her rendezvous with her regional manager <laughs> Yeah, Mitch is really, this is a good Mitch episode, like a good acting episode. Wheels are coming off. Mitch is white knuckling it. He is. His heels are dug in. He's breaking and he does break. He does. And I, I really like, there's so many layers of that story that I loved. I loved that Gail, which like we all know Gail is in the wrong, but I liked that Gail started to jab back at Mitch because Mitch is nonstop raining down on Gail and like holding the affair over her head, which like, yeah, you know, it happened. It sucks. It's terrible. But then leave like, you know, you have to leave or you have to accept it. So I like that she finally I forget exactly. Oh, it was the moment where when. <laughs> he's like this sounds like more of a thursday activity when she says that her coworker is coming over and she goes it's a work thing mitch and he goes i don't know why but the fact that it's a coworker doesn't exactly you know bring me peace and she goes at least i have coworkers." and it's like a just a jab back at him she's tired of it she's tired of like living in this house and constantly being berated and trying so hard to make it up to him she has a line later where she says I'm sick of supporting the dreams of someone who won't even look at me. Look me in the eye, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's one thing that she's the breadwinner and keeping the family afloat when she feels loved and respected. But when you're doing that, you're not getting any of that in return. You're like, who am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. And he says, you you have never supported me. He's looking for something very different and they're not communicating about what that is. And neither, they're both just coming apart. 
and he seams. says you know not everything's about sex gail at least not to me meaning that everything is about sex for her they were both just taking jabs at each other there was barbs going the whole episode there was a scene i think you referenced earlier when you said that john wesley ship was killing it at the end dawson finally figures out that his parents are in open marriage we should talk about how he comes to that conclusion later even though you referenced it already once Dawson has now figured out that his, he thinks his parents have an open relationship. So while Gail is in the living room with her affiliate person, <laughs> <laughs> this is the art exhibit all over again. So while Gail's in the living room with her coworker person, Mitch is in the other room with Tamara and they're both, both couples are drinking wine. It definitely has a weird feel to it. Like there's no, I don't think there's really romantic interest in either room, but it's like Mitch and Gail are upping the ante with each other and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, playing chicken with each other. Dawson's already witnessed one fight go down that night and he's looking at Mitch and Tamara. He's looking at Gail and her coworker and he finally puts it together. Oh my God, my parents have an open marriage. So he goes to them and he asks them, they say, yes, there's this huge fight. Gail leaves and Mitch starts sobbing to Dawson. And he's saying, you know, he really breaks down because Dawson screams at Mitch and is like, just fix it. Like, get over it. I guess she did something wrong. But like, you've got to just get over it. And coming from Dawson, that's bad because he never gets over anything and tortures everyone. But Mitch breaks down and says, you know, my dad, your granddad was just, he taught me everything. You know, he taught me how to build a house and do this, that. But he didn't teach me what to do when your wife cheats on you. And I never asked. I never thought to ask. Yeah. It was a really sad scene because like without saying it, he was like grieving his dad in that moment and just probably drawing comparisons to how like his parents' marriage was good maybe and his is terrible. And there was like a lot going on in that speech. There was. I I felt a lot of subtext. It was a pincher moment. Sure was. He was good. It was great acting. It was really good acting. And it's like really like heartbreaking to think yeah I I didn't think to ask like he's saying I'm married to this person that I love and I never thought that this would be the case and like I don't know it's a lot he's up against the law and he they need to make a decision which at the end of the episode they kind of allude to it's time do you want to go do you want me to go we don't know exactly what it means yet but obviously they're talking about separating yeah it's time Mitch is going to move out, right? That's what that means. But we don't know at this point if that means they're getting a divorce, they're doing a separation. Like, we don't know exactly Oh, right. We don't, we don't know means. if it's a divorce. Yeah. Or we don't know if it's a separation or he's moving out or whatnot. So, right, right. I think I referenced a divorce in the recap, but you're right. We really don't know. They're done trying to make it work for now anyway. My favorite line of the whole episode was... So there's some jealousy that's also kind of going on when... Because Tamara shows up to the house with the plans for the warehouse... Gail answers the door. She's like, you know, oh, why are you here? I know you're from a PTA meeting. Like there's some barbs going on there a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. And Gail says something like, you know, Mitch, how are you going to buy this warehouse? With what money? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to buy some condemned warehouse? How can you even afford this? And he steps up to her like really mighty. And he's like, I got a loan, Gail. (laughs) And it was just... The best line of the episode. Facts. I don't need your money. I got a loan, Gail. I got got a loan. loan. This is a really small moment, but when they're in the makeup store, Jen and Abby are in the makeup store and Abby is just like stealing everything. (laughs) But the first time she does it, she picks up a lipstick and drops it into her purse and goes, oops, 
that moment is burned into my brain. Like I, I just remember that so well. It's so funny. I love that she's shoplifting throughout the whole conversation. <laughs> the whole thing. Abby is so funny in this episode. Okay, because they got into a fight at the end of last week, and it starts out Jen is really so upset about it, you know, because she called her such a bad friend last week. And then Abby shows up just like, hey, you're not really like, oh, you're not so mad about that thing, right? And Jen is like, yeah, like you said horrible things to me. Abby, throughout the shoplifting scene, is convincing Jen to get over it. Like, we can't let guys come between us. That's stupid. And Jen says, oh, good, because I have a date with Vincent tonight. And Abby's like, you whore bitch. You bitch. <laughs> and then Jen was like, what are you talking about? You just said that the like, guy shouldn't come between us. And that's when she chases her out the street, calls her a slut. Jen slaps her across the face. And then when Jen's getting ready for the date, there's a knock at the door. She opens the door. It's Abby. And she's like, <laughs> I can't believe you hit me. She's like, like, you called me every name under the sun and told me I'm a horrible person. And she's like, yeah, but I would never hit you. <laughs> and Jen is like, you're a psychopath. And she basically kicks Abby out of the house. So it's a very funny scene because Dawson, his parents get in a horrible fight. And like Dawson goes up to his bed. He throws himself on it. And there's Abby Morgan just sitting in his room with a binocular. <laughs> She's spying on Jen and Vincent. And Dawson is like, what are you doing here? So Abby tries to hook up with Dawson. Dawson keeps pushing her away. And she says, oh, come on. Like, Joey doesn't have to know. You know, just tell Jen that you and Joey have an open relationship. And then that's when it clicks, open relationship. But Abby is hysterical this whole episode, shoplifting, binoculars, trying to hit on Dawson. It's just so funny to me that she she's just so does her own thing. The fact that she just climbed up Dawson's ladder and sat in his room it's like ridiculous. Yeah, that's amazing. And the fact that he's like, what are you doing here? And then she doesn't respond. And we cut away and we come back like scenes later. And he's like, Abby, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, she's just such a motor mouth. She's like, okay, 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 okay. She's funny. It was ridiculous. Her trying to kiss him was just ridiculous because she hates him so much. Like, she's just like, come on. Can you at least kiss me by the window so Jen can see? <laughs> That was so funny. I love the McPhee house. Yeah. They are rich, honey. They're rich. They have... They were. They have gigantic clocks. They have paintings. They, they have lights that hang over their paintings. Sconce on sconce on sconce. They have a broom that's painted red. They have everything that they rich have, people have. They have a kitchen island. <laughs> I mean, in they, the 90s, that was a big deal. Yeah. I don't have an island. Yeah, but now every Joe and Jane Schmo are putting islands in their house. And like, they definitely had potpourri in that house. We didn't see it, but it was like one of those, you know. In the bathroom. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe in a random bowl. <laughs> right. Oh, in every room. <laughs> in every room. The ice house serves Pepsi, which is trash. Oh my God. <laughs> the ice house is not a Coke establishment, which is disgusting. That's a real disappointment. I wonder if when people order a Coke, they say, is Pepsi okay? Oh my God. I hate that. No, it's not okay. I worked at a handful of restaurants. I'm not certain I ever worked at a Pepsi establishment. Like I feel like I would, if I were in that position, I would be like, we only have Pepsi and let them fill in the blanks. <laughs> like either that's yeah. okay or it's not. So the mall by me recently went from a Coke mall to a Pepsi mall. Every vending machine in the place is now Pepsi and when I was a kid, I drank Pepsi, but oh, oh, I can't now. I just can't. I drank very little soda. I drank about seven 
to 10 seltzers a day, but I drink very little soda. <laughs> and if I'm having a soda, I'm having a Coke. You better believe it. Coca Ridge? Coca Ridge. If I'm diving in for a soda, give me that full fat. I like a Coke Zero moment, but... Yeah, I never... I have heard that the zeros are far superior to the diets. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's a little acting lesson, how intonation and emphasis can change anything and everything. Well, we've already talked about it a lot, but this Andy Pacey conversation, when I tell you that I fully was crying and tearing up the first time I rewatched it, he's so good with her and to her and her walls are coming down. It's just such a good moment for them. I love it. He's really good with people. And I love that she's like, please don't tell anyone. Like, I don't want my mom to be the town pariah or pariah. I don't remember exactly what she says. Gossip, fuel, yeah. or fodder, whatever. I think it's really nice for him to ha- to also feel like she's not this perfect person because he feels very imperfect. Like, it's all coming together. Yeah, he's really great with her and her mom. And how and what she she just wanted to leave and not say anything to her mom. And he was like, Andy, that's rude. Like he, I don't know. He's just cute. It's a good Pacey episode. It is a good Pacey episode. It's a good Gail episode. It's a good Jack episode. I mean, that's great. It's so chaotic. It was just so chaotic. I mean, I know it's a full moon, but people are acting crazy. And if you ask Joey Potter, full moon changes everything and everyone. I was having full like secondhand anxiety for the house fight. Like the their guests. Yeah. Their guests are hearing everything. But it was very overdue. And I really like that Dawson forced them, like literally closed the doors. And he brought them back to the room where Gail told Mitch that she had slept with somebody else, which I thought was significant. But they closed the doors and he forces them to just fight it out. And it was a long time coming. And obviously things aren't resolved, but it was much needed, that conversation. Yeah, it's just... It's crazy because Gail is like trashing the warehouse while Tamara's listening and being like, you know, you're a loser. I've supported you. You're like basically not like a deadbeat, but she doesn't go as far as name calling. But she basically says, I'm not carrying you anymore, which is kind of emasculating. And he brings up the affair and like her promiscuity. And like, I don't know if it's her boss, but it's like someone high up at her company's in town. Like he's hearing everything. And I mean, it's just yikes. It's a, it's a lot. It's a little day class A. Yes, indeed. Be more like the McPhees, you know? Just smile. The McPhees would never. If you want to know McPhee secrets, you have to bang down their door. <laughs> the Learys are just like, we'll tell anyone our family dirt. Literally everyone knows. Don't air your dirty laundry while you've guests. We haven't touched on this at all, but uh-uh. the entire episode has... Yes, I know. A combination of practical and visual effects of a giant moon. (laughs) You're going to bring it up. It's crazy. Yeah. What was your favorite moonshot? I know. Oh, man. I think I'm torn. It would either be the end of the episode when Joey and Dawson are on the roof and it's uh, from behind their backs and there's a big moon and you can kind of see the outline of the green screen or whatever it is that they had. Or when they're inside the restaurant looking out and the lights go out and Jack kisses Joey with the moon in the background. Backlit. Silhouette. Yeah. Mine is definitely the Jack-Joey kiss. 
It's shot out the window. The moon is popping. <laughs> middle of the screen. It is centered. It's never been bigger. It's that scene in Bruce Almighty when he literally like pulls the <laughs> pulls <moon>. it in. <laughs> but it's just it looks like they're at a lake. Like it's just it's lighting up the water. And Jack was as we know, Jack loves art. He's moved by art. It's canon. It's been set up. That's right. He hears this love poem and he's just like, I'm gonna grab her and lay one on her. That's right. And he does it. And she is taken aback. My other favorite moonshot is the final the image that you pointed out was hysterical with Dawson and Joey sitting side <laughs> by side staring up at the moon. But the other one that I liked was when they fade out to the credits. Katie Holmes's face fades into the moon. Oh. Like at the beginning of the episode, she says, oh, what if man on the moon is a woman on the moon? Which was kind of stupid. But... <laughs> when they're sitting on the roof and you see the reflection of the moon in the window window i think that that was a practical light that they had so it would reflect off the window because you also see it in their eyes and i don't think they would go through the trouble of putting a little glint of light in their eyes i'm almost certain they wouldn't well it is full moon rising the moon is full and shit's about to pop off the moon is full and they don't want you to forget could never forget the moon is full Joey has her rowboat. There are certain things they just want to really drive home. What did you think of the Grams-Jen closing conversation? Grams is coming down hard on Jen and telling her to have respect for herself and all of her worth. And I think that Jen's rebuttal was kind of like, I had control over the situation. Like, I didn't need you. And she's like, it doesn't matter. You should have more respect for yourself than that. I don't know. I think... I think Graham's won that conversation and Jen is maybe starting to question some of her past two weeks as a bad girl, maybe. How did you take yeah. it? Well, well, like we said, this was the most New York Jen that we've seen since she moved to Cape Side and she's dabbling in her dangerous behavior again. And Graham's basically says to her, I will not allow that. I will not allow New York Jen. She uses that phrase to live under my roof, not in my lifetime, not ever, not ever, not under my roof, not happening. So She's basically saying, my roof, my rules. If you don't follow them, get out. So we'll have to see how that goes. Which I think is interesting because that's been the case since the beginning. But in the beginning, from our audience perspective, Grams was just being hard on her to be hard on her. And now we're like, oh, no, this is like a pattern of behavior. And she's falling back into it. And we're like, oh, yeah, Grams is spot on. Or I feel that way, at least. Yeah, it, it feels like we have a different Grams this, this year. She's not as antagonistic, I would say. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. You got anything else? No. You know, just there's there's definitely tension between Dawson and Joey. Last week, they did not resolve their fight. Joey did not want to resolve their art fight. And this week, she now has a secret. She does try to yeah. tell Dawson that Jack kissed her at the end, but he won't let her talk. And I wouldn't have either. I wrote that down, actually, and I didn't say it really? yet. I, she she does she tries to tell him and he is so distraught and like rightfully so he's had a rough night he's so distraught and he's like can we just sit here like i don't even want to go inside and he's like laying his head on her chest and like he's really going through it i think i Mm -hmm. also would have not brought it up interesting i think i would bring it up maybe the next day but in that moment i was like i would have let him your point is he's too upset i'm not gonna make him more upset sure yeah Yeah. it was just yeah i guess i was responding more to like he wouldn't even give her the chance to say 
anything. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Look at you getting me to see the softer side of Dawson <laughs> for once. Hands by Jewel is remains a bop. It does. I I had a real soft spot for that song. Bought the album. Loved it. I loved Jewel. Yeah. She's still around. Yeah. She's not dead. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Let's do a creek speak. This is from Tina from Jersey on Apple Podcasts. They say, I've been trying out different Dawson's pods, and this is the only one I love. I was a senior in high school when this show started, and I had a Joey Dawson relationship with my best friend since we were eight years old. I was for sure team Dawson, but now watching it as an adult, it's team Pacey for me. Pacey and Joey were always endgame. Holla. It's always good to hear. (laughs) It's always good to hear, even though Dawson is really annoying this time around. And by the end, I might be Team Pacey. I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. But it's good to hear that there are other Team Dawson people, even though, God, it's such a minority. It's such a minority. Well, give give her a DM. You guys can (laughs) chat about your love for Dawson. Well, she should be a content creator because, you know, I, I repost a lot of clips on Instagram and stuff, you know. And people will reply and they're like, oh, my God, I love the Pacey Joey content. But like, isn't this a Pacey versus Dawson kind of a, that's kind of, you know, the format angle we approach it with. But there just really is not a lot of Dawson Joey content. Like there's not a lot of TikToks. There's not a lot of edits. There really is not much. So I feel like it would be the same five moments over and over again. Yeah. So I do just want to say while we're on Creek Speak. That there's this really cool feature. If you listen to the podcast on Spotify, they automatically ask a question every episode. It's like a default question. Like, what did you think of this episode? And people have been leaving us comments there. And I just found them all. So we will be reading those in a future Creek Speak. So it's just a really another way to give us some feedback. If you listen to the podcast on Spotify, you can comment on it on our podcast page. And we can also start posting more specific questions to that. Like, what should Joey have done in this episode? Which full moon imagery was your favorite? Yeah. So in addition to leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, you can Spotify Q&A us. You can Instagram DM us. You can voice note us. You can email us. No one's ever emailed. That'd be fun. Have we ever given out our email? Maybe we haven't. It's back to you, Bob Pod at gmail.com. If you want to send us some digital correspondence, I will print it out and read it like old timey letters. <laughs> Um, (laughs) the switchboard i also love a voice note love a voice note those were two of my favorite things last season we got two voice notes and it was like we won the lottery honestly wouldn't it be wild if we did start an advice column do you think people would write in because i think we give really good advice actually maybe seasons five and six when things are really slowing down Half the episode can be advice. Oh my God. I'm dreading talking about the Australian girl. Let's not think about it. We're in the golden era. Be present. It's true. Dawson's draft. Dawson's draft. What are we doing today? The category is best friendship. I mean, pretty self-explanatory. It's who you think the two best friends are. Are you starting? I think so. I think I am going to take Meredith Gray and Christina Yang. I will have you know that they were my number three. I'm taking them number one. They're just wonderful. I do think that they're soulmates and they're both very loyal, very wonderful friends. So for my number one, I'm going to pick a friend group 
which I know is really against the rules because it should be two people. So I'm going to pick the girls from Sex in the City. So Carrie, Miranda. They Samantha, were my number Charlotte. three. But the caveat, really, my favorite pair within that is Carrie and Miranda. Their fights were just so, I was very invested. Miranda was that person who told her the truth when she didn't want to hear it and kept it honest. And their fights were always, the scenes were just so good. The acting between them. Oh, I love it. Such a good pick. Who's your number two? I think I'm going to take Jack and Jen from Dawson's Creek. So now you've taken two of mine and I only have, <laughs> I only had five. I don't even have any. Obviously, I agree with you. So why do you love Jen and Jack? We don't really know it yet, but I do believe they're similar to Meredith and Christina. I think they have a soulmate quality. They just have a very deep friendship down the line. Certain things happen and both of them rise to the occasion at different times for different reasons. I don't want to say too much, but I just think that they're a wonderful pair. Yeah, they're really good. I'm jealous that you took them. So for my number two, I'm going to go with Scott and Styles from Teen Wolf. I just love their friendship. You know, they always have each other's backs. They didn't really get no big drama fights. You know, they were just really good friends to each other. I remember like Styles had a health crisis and like Scott hugged him and they were just always so like physically affectionate and comfortable and they're just really good friends. I mean, they're the best. They were on my list. I stole two from you and you stole two from me. Yeah. <laughs> so we basically had five total and <laughs> we're just screwed. <laughs> I am going to take Issa and Molly from Insecure. That's a good one. I think that their friendship feels very true to life to me. They are loving and comfortable and you can tell they're really good friends, but they will fight. They will tell each other how it is. They occasionally go episodes without talking to one another because they're annoyed with the, the truth that the other person has made them face. I just think they're really good friends, keep each other grounded. All right, I'm going to have to explain this answer. So my number three... I'm actually going to go with Dawson and Pacey. Hmm. And I'm going to go with that for a few reasons. So obviously, there's a lot of drama. They don't talk for a few seasons. You know, whatever it is, things aren't the same. But, you know, like when Dawson has a death in the family, Pacey comes back. You know, they always kind of find their way back to each other. They're terrible to each other. But like, as you get older, you kind of realize like there's people in your life that you are like that too, become more like siblings. So they kind of have like yeah. a brotherly thing. They grow, they survive all that, They're, they come back, shit happens, you know, they just ebb and flow. And if you can be friends after doing all this terrible stuff to each other, then I don't know, maybe that means something. So I do like them as friends. Okay, I think, I think I'm going to take Steve and Dustin from Stranger Things. I talked about it a little bit in the leading man category, but I just love their relationship. I think it started out more as like a mentorship is the wrong word, but it, there was definitely like a power imbalance and kind of like Steve was the older cool guy and Dustin is the younger guy. But I think in the last season, they really became more equals and more friends. I just think that they're really cute and I like their little mismatched partnership. I like them. So for my fourth, I'm going to pick Sean and Ben from Felicity. You know, season one, Ben is living with this like off-campus guy <laughs> and it's a, it's sean uh it's played by greg dunberg sean gets folded into things and starts dating felicity's roommate and things but their friendship is very cute you know male friendships are cute for my fifth and final pick i think i'm gonna take grace and frankie from grace and frankie they're thrown into friendship because of circumstances beyond their control their husbands fall in love with each other and end up getting married and they end up living together later in life and they're 
very much so opposites, but they really end up taking care of each other and being each other's support systems and can relate to each other on so many levels and kind of support each other in conversations with their kids and their ex-husbands. And I don't know, I just think that they're an unlikely pairing, but they go really well together. Love that show. Miss it. They were so funny. They were so funny. For my final pick, I'm going to go with Lucas and Haley from Montreal. Hill. They're friends long before the show starts. They kind of have Dawson and, and Joey thing going on, except they're not, there's no real attraction there. They are actually raised like brother and sister. And then she ends up marrying his half brother and becomes his sister-in-law. Well, how about that? Did you, did you see the comment to you this week? Connie, Alkaline Constant, on Instagram, she said, it's time for Christine to start watching One Tree Hill. I know. You're right. Well, my list was Meredith and Christina, Jack and Jen, Issa and Molly, Stephen Dustin, and Grace and Frankie. And my list was the Sex and the City girls, particularly Carrie and Miranda, uh, Scott and Styles from Teen Wolf, Dawson and Pacey from... Dawson's obviously Ben and Sean from Felicity and my fifth one was Lucas and Haley from One Tree Hill. Good lists. So what you watching? I am watching the new season of Kardashians. I was hoping you'd bring it up. The first episode had me laughing out loud with Chloe's fear of whales. Hysterical. The hatred between Courtney and Kim is insane because they're sisters so their fights matter. The reason I like shows like Kardashians and Below Deck, like the stakes are a little higher because if they're fighting and they get fired from Below Deck, they're off the show and they're fired. Like on Kardashians, their family, like on Housewives and stuff, it's entertaining, but they're co-workers, you know, they're co-workers who are forced to film together. So when these sisters fight, I'm very into it. Anyway, <laughs> we love the Kardashians, yeah. but a lot of people don't. So we shouldn't waste that much time talking about them, but I'm watching it too. Obsessed. So good. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on is not... Uh, show it's a podcast but I think it's one of my favorite podcasts and it's released in seasons and there's a long gap between seasons so every time it comes back I get so excited I feel like a lot of people know about it but it's called heavyweight it's basically this guy who's a journalist he's a very dry sense of humor but he's very funny and he helps people with something unresolved in their life and it's a spectrum like some of them are very serious some of them are very light but they're so well done and season eight just started on thursday so i would say if anyone's looking for a podcast they're little vignettes you can listen one off it's not you don't need to commit you can just listen to one and see how you feel but i just think it's such a good show and so well done that sounds really good it is i love it and i'm so glad it's back what about you you know aside from kardashians oh, no not much not a bad thing. You've been a busy beaver. We haven't really touched on it, but the writer's strike is over. The writer's strike is over. So we are back. We are working. We are writing. We are meeting. Yeah. So I have been a little busier as of late. And then I just, I'm watching things that I've talked about in previous What You Watchings, you know? Oh my God. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'm, I'll tell you what I'm watching. Survivor. Survivor is Ooh. back. We're only two episodes in. It's the most interested I've been in Survivor in a really long time. Really? I haven't watched yet. You and I are in a Survivor pool. We draft people preseason based on bios and their videos and stuff. I'm in another pool where this season we did it. We watched the first episode together. Again, draft style, like fantasy football draft style. 
based on what we saw in the first episode. There's this girl this season who is getting a really bad villain edit, but I love her and I, I'm just so interested in her and intrigued by her. And I think she's, the, I really think she's like the best personality they've had in there in a while. And I watched Survivor almost live the other night. Like I started at like 10 minutes late just to skip through the commercials, but I haven't watched Survivor on the night of in a long time. Wow. I'm going to need to watch. You and I have talked about it, but I feel like the last few seasons have been a little bit different, like felt different. I feel like since the pandemic, they've inserted all these new rules and new idols and new twists. A lot of twists. A lot of twists. It's kind of hard to keep up with, but I'm into this season. I don't know why. It's not just her. It's just like the cast is kind of popping a little more. Awesome. Well, I'll have to watch. Awesome. All All right. right. So next week is going to be episode 206, The Dance. The dance. What will be our drink next week? Next week, we will be drinking Dancing Queen. You will need cherry hearing brandy, vodka, Grand Marnier, pineapple juice, and some sort of tangerine, orange, clementine situation. I believe that's just a garnish, so perhaps it's unnecessary, but we will give you the link so you can see exactly what we're working with. It sounds delicious to me. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And the next episode is also a good one. The music in next episode is amazing. I'm very curious to see what music is actually there. I know, I'm so scared. Like, what if it's all gone? Well, we'll report back next week. Well, that's it. That's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.